podcast. It's number 10 today. We've reached double figures. It's birthday, Chris. Hooray! Indeed. Fantastic news. Let's get the party poppers out and celebrate. <laughs> oh, well. <Yeah. laughs> nice sound effect queued up there. <laughs> that adds up for improvisation. That goes very good. It caught me by surprise somewhat. Uh, yeah. uh, I've actually uh, just opened up a bottle of champagne. That's neither here nor there. That's very good. That's just because you're an alcoholic. Although it's not actually, yeah. morning. It's not actually morning where you are, I'd like to point out. <laughs> if, I, if I was opening up champagne, we'd have issues. Yeah. Uh, and how, are, and how so, are you, sir, in sunny New Zealand? Um, good, thanks. Not too bad. And apologies uh, up front for the fact that this podcast has been delayed for so long uh, due to ill health on my part. Um, I'd like to say it won't happen again, but I can't guarantee it. But um, yes, thank you for those people who showed concern. It was just a heavy cold, bit of bronchitis. <clears throat> Uh, which I think may still be there, and um, and uh, I think touch wood, we're 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 back we're back in the game. Indeed, and, thanks um, thanks to all those who showed concern, and not so much thanks for all those. When have you done that podcast yet? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've yeah. got your names. Where's <laughs> your you book podcast? Come on, you lying book podcast whores, get it out there. <laughs> I don't think anyone actually said that, yeah. but I did in my head. That was what I read in into those comments. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's pretty much it. We read a lot of things into your comments, <laughs> none of which are actually there, but we like to read it into it anyway. <laughs> I've just realised I've got my radio in the background, so I'm going to turn that off now. I apologise oh, if anyone could hear that. It was just five live <laughs> rambling away in the background. No, nobody ah. needs to hear that. No, and if you can hear any other noise, it might be the fan, because I've got that on me at the moment, because it's blooming hot here over in Blighty. We've actually got a bit of sunner. Sunner? Yeah. Summer. I was going to say sun and summer, and now it's Bernard Sumner. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you you have pills, nurse. <laughs> well, it's, you'll be pleased to hear that it's, it's midwinter here, and we've had a little bit of snow already, so things have now come sort of pretty much flipped over from when we first started doing these podcasts about six months ago, so now it's your chance to gloat, and I'm sure it's, you will. It's almost like there's a thing called the seasons, isn't it? <laughs> I know, it's amazing. It's just a new phenomenon for me, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> Strange man. Uh, uh, anyway, right, well, today we're going to talk about books, if you hadn't already guessed that by my podcast book, Whore References. Um <laughs> And we've, we've had an awful lot of suggestions from people, uh, so much so that we're not going to read any of them out. There we are. <laughs> we'll, we'll come to some we've of them also later. Had, we've also had a lot of awful suggestions. <laughs> yeah, which were all of yours. No. Um, <laughs> but the funny thing is that we, we were talking just before we came on here, and we were saying that uh, most people's suggestions have been autobiographies of some kind, or kind of... Um, books about football that I think like Simon Cooper and things like that, which... Uh, which basically turned out to be none of the books that me or Chris sort of have ever read. So we, we are officially the least read people on the planet. Well, no, it depends because if if you're talking about books about stadiums and football kits, then I think you'll find we're well mm. up there. Oh yes. <laughs> but if you're talking about books that everybody else seems to have read, we're not. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, um, so we'll, we we I think the way we'll do this, we'll we'll discuss some of the the books that you've sent uh, suggestions about, but. You might find that most of it is just us rambling about the ones we've got and that we like, which could, <laughs> this could really cut down this audience because, like I say, the the sort of the Venn diagram of books you lot like and the books we like they don't even intersect anywhere. <laughs> I think I think there might <laughs> be a true so colours. Old. Yeah, there's a true colours and a got not got somewhere in there, and I think that's about as close as it gets. No, but in in the interest of um, you know appeasing our uh, audience, I think we're gonna we're gonna certainly discuss the books and, and the and as you said, the millions of suggestions we've had. I mean, it's been probably the, about the best reaction we've had 
thus far, as far as I can make out for any um, pre-podcast appeal we've had. So um, we'll read some stuff out. Well, I think the plan is Rich, that we're going to put something on a blog post or all of the suggestions we've had on a blog post so we can people can just read and, and get their own recommendations. Yeah, I think, I think that was it. I think because we've had so many, I think what we'll do is obviously we uh, it will be impossible to get through. I think if we listed them all, I think we'd be here for another 10 minutes on top. Um, so I think what we're intending to do is... Um, possibly not on the podcast post because that'll involve me having to do it this afternoon and it's Sunday and there's tennis on and you know I care about tennis um oh, tennis <laughs> just joking um <laughs> but yeah I think we'll put definitely put them all on the blog post but and I think what we'll try and do is put links to them on Amazon or something so if anyone does want to go off and buy them you can you can have an instant link to them because there was as Chris said a hell of a, a reaction there was an awful lot of books that came in and some really good ones as well some that I've not personally heard of and mm-hmm. uh, others that we've we've heard of but just haven't actually read. There's quite a few actually that I would I would like to read and are on my kind of will do one day list, um, <laughs> and then I just never get round to that day. So, <laughs> that's it. What, what, I've got a plan, right? Okay, Rich. So you you keep the audience talking. I'm just going to go off now and set up an Amazon Associates account, and then we can put links to all the books, and then we can get money for every time people click on them. That sounds that's great. Good. Yeah. Although although we've just told everyone that plan, so yeah. Oh, kind of thing. they might not Sorry. do it now just out Sorry. of spite <laughs> well we might do that then possibly yes we won't we won't we will do it <laughs> but we won't yeah anyway enough of this rambling chris i think we've been going yes. for five minutes we haven't even talked about anything useful yet so straight <laughs> into it so chris if i were to say to you what's your what's your favorite all-time book if you if there, for instance if there was a house fire and you had yep. to rescue a book Discounting the fact you might be able to buy an eBay or Amazon because that would be stupid. Which book would you send your children? I mean, which book would you go back into that <laughs> house for to get? <laughs> um, I think it would have to be. Um, there's a book that I've got, and I've had it since I was about nine, and it's called the Encyclopedia of World Football. And um, I've lost the sleeve to it long since. Lost the sleeve, the outer sleeve to it, but I've still got the book, and it's in a bit of a tatty state. But it was one of the first football books that I've ever that I ever owned as a kid um and I'm sure we'll sort of come on to this at some point soon the, the whole thing about you know when you're a kid you 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 just soak up information and statistics because you if you if there's a subject you're really passionate about you just want to learn as much about it as you can and you you know, you you read all the books and you watch all the tv programs and you buy all the magazines you just when you're you know bef- before the age of i don't know let's say 15 or something you just have this capacity to sort of soak up so much information and, and certainly that was the case for me and um i had this book encyclopedia of world football sounds very grandiose uh like the encyclopedia britannica um the reality is that it was nothing like that but it was it probably had a you know a couple of hundred pages in it um i'm trying to think who it, who wrote it i think it was one of these phil saw books because he wrote a few of those kind of encyclopedia uh, do you know what i think it might be because i'm actually sitting right next to the encyclopedia of british football which is written by yes. phil saw um, yes. i'm actually using it as a mouse mat at the moment <laughs> it's, <just laughs> sacri- it's, not it's one of the books I, I actually picked up in in stratford the other week in in um in a charity shop i think it was about one pound 25 or something has it got a red cover? It hasn't. Well, I'm, I'm assuming that if you're if you were nine, I think this is obviously a later version. It's a W. H. Smith's book, actually, and it's well, um, no. well this is because uh, this one's from 1990. So I'm assuming <coughs> that it's not the one you had, but I'm assuming it well, might no, the, be the same, yeah. the same sort of um, series. 
Yeah, well, my one was the Encyclopedia of World Football, but I happen to know that for a fact that that guy, Phil Saw, um, wrote also Encyclopedia of British Football, as I think you've got. And yeah. uh, I think there was a version that was um, which had a red cover that came out, again, about 1980, around about that same sort of time. So they must have just kept it going for at least the title, at least for years and years, and just did various revisions of it. But, um, but the reason I, I would savour that book not only for the fact that it's one of the few that I still got from my childhood, um, is the fact that it had so much great information in it that was aimed presumably at, at children. Um, and it had various sections in it. There was a section about like the history of uh, British football. Um, there was stuff about European football. And then it kind of divided up. There was a section about football in Asia, North America, South America, Australia and New Zealand, I think, as well. And then... And I mean, all that was fantastic and, and lots of you know, results and scores from the European Cup and the European Cup Winners' Cup and all that kind of stuff. But at the back, this was the bit that really caught my imagination as much as anything um, and has a lot to answer for, is that there, were, there was like a sort of pen profile of about, I would say, about 30 or 40 different clubs who were supposedly like among the best clubs uh, football clubs in the world so you had your Liverpools and your Man United's and Nottingham Forest as well uh, you know at the, at the time but there were also details about teams like um, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Penarol and uh, Botafogo from South America um, teams you know um, Independiente all these South American teams I'd probably never heard of and it would list all the usual sort of stuff that you'd find in books at that time, like, you know, the, the, the year that the club was formed and who the manager is and honours that the team has won and all that. But the key bit for me was the fact that they had a little kit illustration, like a, a little illustration of a, a man, a uh, footballer, wearing the kit of that club. And it was there that I learned to sort of identify so many different clubs, including um, Saint-Étienne, who, as we know, one of the few clubs in the world that wear green shirts. Um, that was the thing that struck me at the time. I thought, Saint-Étienne sounds tremendously exotic and continental. And you'd see the you'd see the green shirts, and of course, you know, no team in, in England wears green shirts apart from Plymouth, and we all know what they're like. And, no, um, and Norwich away. <laughs> and Well, and no, well there, there I say more. Um, so... You'd, you'd have all this colour coming from all these kit illustrations. You had all the statistics. You had the history of football. And it was it's a it's a fabulous book, and I'm sure many have been made since that follow that kind of template. And um, and I, I'm planning to write about it for an article um, on the Football Attic blog, and uh, um, I look forward to that because it's just I love going through the book and thumbing through the pages. It's it's a it's a great book. What about yours? Um, oh, see if you can guess what the subject of mine's going to be about. <laughs> would it be Mexico 86? It would be, yay! Oh, just a um, shot in the dark. Yes, I know, it's just a, mi- a miracle, isn't it? Um, yes, mine, <laughs> mine definitely would be Mexico 86. Um, a specific book by Phil Saw and John Bone, actually, mm-hmm. so it's another Phil Saw book. Um, Which I had, I called, had him uh, years ago and yes. somehow bloody lost. I, I, you, that's, a, that's a tragedy that you did there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is a book called Just plain and simply Mexico 86 and is a pictorial review of the 1986 World Cup finals um, yeah. the story of this book is obviously as, as you may well know Mexico 86 was a kind of pivotal point in my life as it was the thing that got me into football in the first place um, <clears throat> and I although I had like the, the shoot 
magazine from the time with the kind of review of the finals. It's not like today where you have the internet where you can get instant information and pictures on it. You know, in those days mm. we just had to scour around for books and stuff. And not long after the the finals. Um, I found this book in WH Smith's and I was instantly smitten with it. The slight sticking problem was it was about £14.99 and mm-hmm. um, at the time I think I used to get probably about 50p pocket money or something and <laughs> I had absolutely no way of buying it and so I just had to let it go um, mm. and I was absolutely gutted because it was such a glorious book, you know, real you know, exclusive pictures that I'd never seen in any magazines or newspapers or anything and full colour and you know, big th- and, and yeah. whole description and everything right from the start of the tournament to the end it was absolutely fantastic and then it see I think it disappeared out of Smith's I think it was one of those books that kind of just disappears off the shelf and you don't see it for ages mm. and then I think it was the following February just after my birthday I happened to be in Smith's I think someone had bought me a book token or something you know in the days when people used <laughs> to do that uh, and then I went into Smith's and they were having like a sort of post Christmas sale and I saw it for two ninety nine. oh and it was like, Good what? Lord. It's one of those sort of things that you just think would never happen. So £2.99, which was within not only the remit of my book token, but also my actual <laughs> money that I had. So I instantly bought it. And it's one of those books that, um, like I say, I just, I've never regretted it. I've, I've loved it ever since. Um, and it's, it's possibly, I would say it's probably my most cherished football book. And there's two reasons for that one because it's just such an amazing book but secondly because it does seem to be so rare I mean I, I there was one that came up on eBay about three months ago um, mm. and other than that you just don't see you occasionally if you search for it you know and if you've got like for instance the ISBN number you know you might be able to find mm. references to it but it's always out of stock or it's like you, know, you might be able to buy like a second hand copy but what did amaze me was that the one that went on eBay I think it was only on for about four ninety nine or something with about £4 postage and nobody bought it and it was on twice because the guy relisted it and I was so tempted to buy it again just to have it again but I just thought no I don't, I don't need it I've already got it you know it's pointless but no it's, I just, it's yeah. Still going on, yeah and I was just going to say um, before I left um, the UK for New Zealand back in September 2012 with about two weeks to go I think I saw it on eBay and I thought oh it's that book I think you mentioned it at the time and I was like my god that's that book I used to own that book as a kid I've got to have it and I just thought it's going to be really cutting it fine if I if I win the auction you know by the time the auction finishes on eBay and it gets sent through the post to me I thought pound to a penny it arrives at my doorstep like the day after I'm on a plane so I thought I can't I can't quite take the gamble um but um you know I might still uh get it sort of hopefully if I can find it on eBay and yeah, maybe win it on an auction. I might get it sent over if I uh, if I can coordinate my brain in that way. But um, it is a tremendous book, and and uh, as you just mentioned there, um, just the fact that there's so many color photos in it, and and it's just really good glossy paper, good quality book. You know, really good stuff. Just you just there's not too much to read particularly. It's just you just see all these little snapshots of various games and and all the action that was going on in the games. It's it's a brilliant book actually. Yeah. I think I think I've said this to you before, Chris. But that one of the weirdest things about it is that the narrative that it's got doesn't correspond to the pictures at all. It's really bizarre because <laughs> yeah. it's like they've they've got a whole narrative of the finals which just flows throughout the book, but then yeah. the the structure of the the book with like the you know the second round and the quarterfinals and that it doesn't correspond so you've got the pictures of um on where it covers like the hand of god goal and and maradona second the text by it is talking about some 
the Belgium game or something. It's really bizarre. <laughs> I mean, I think they have. I don't even know if they have captions in the book under, underneath it, um, underneath <laughs> the pictures. But it's just so bizarre because you you look at the picture, and you think, oh, I'll just flip to the text, see what it's about. Oh, what Belgium? What? And it's just it's <laughs> such a bizarre thing. It's like I don't think I've ever <coughs> seen that in, in any of the book before, you know, or since really. That that just, mm. just and considering it's such a, a big book and you know, kind of so expensive it's just such an odd thing to do i mean i've mm. recently bought for italia 90 a book called world cup festival which i think yep. is you know kind of one of the official reviews uh, of the, the thing and it's written in about i think there's about six different european languages it's written in and it's a yep. really nice book um <clears throat> but the, the text does actually correspond to everything so it's it kind <laughs> of like does make sense i mean i've got Moving on from from the Mexico 86 one, I've got two really nice Italia 90 books, the the World Cup Festival, which I just mentioned, and also another one, which I think was like one of these kind of large books that you often find in sort of discount bookstores, where Mm. they're kind of like oversized ones, but they're kind of really cheap. Um, and it's I think it's, it's called Italy World Cup uh, 1990, the greatest moment, and it's got Gaza blubbing away on the front, and it's it's, again there's it's very light on text, it but it there's just literally loads of photos in it and again lots of photos that you you won't have seen before and it's but the funny thing is i think it's i don't really treasure that book and it resided in my garage for a long time and i don't i think it's just because it was such a cheap book you kind of get that impression it's just it's a bit cheap and Mm. you know you don't cherish it in the same way but i don't know i don't know have you got any other world cup books out there world cup books not not um not as, oh, do you know what? There, there was one that I had. I've just suddenly thought of it, actually. Um, incredible for my brain and my memory being in such a bad state. Um, eh, I think it was called something like the World Cup, A Complete History, 1932-1990, I think it would have been. <clears throat> and that was, again, another encyclopedia book. Um, I'm struggling to remember anything about the content of it, but I can distinctly remember the cover because it had... Um, Lota Mateus holding the World Cup, I think, after the 1990 final, and um, again, it was another one of these. Uh, I think it was another one of these things um, where you get all the tables and the results and a bit of blurb about um, maybe uh, what the matches were like in in each group and how the competition progressed and lots of pictures and that kind of thing, going uh, you know, for each competition for each tournament game from 1930 onwards and um, fascinating stuff. Again, as you, if you're a kid, I mean, I'd have been about 18 or 19 when I owned that and again it's like whatever happened to that bloody book I wouldn't have thrown that out surely I wouldn't have thrown that out where did it go um, I, think, I think you and, need to ask Mel some questions <laughs> no 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 no. she's entirely blameless and this is my wife um, it would have gone long before I even met her um, but it, I, I, I think again I saw it on eBay fleetingly a long while ago and thought oh my god that's that book but it, it was that was a that was a tremendous one. Um, in fact, I might make a note to try and see if I can buy that after this podcast is finished. Um, uh, yeah, I just um, other than that, I mean, I've got sort of I've had books on world football, but not necessarily the World Cup. I think that um, I think the World Cup one. I had one very similar to that. Um, I think it's by a guy called Chris Freddy or something. Um, mm. Which is again one of those kind of the World Cup nineteen thirty to you know whatever that happened to be the the current time. And I always I I liked those books. They're those sort of books you look at and think, oh, that'd be interesting. And then you read it, and they always tend to be sort of really light on content. It's like kind of really <laughs> yeah. skims over each one, and and the kind of you get very minimal photos in it. And it just tends to I tend to find them a bit boring, 
because uh, <clears> like <throat> I say, they kind of don't go into enough detail. But at the same time, if they did, they would be you know horrendously long. But then just hmm. make a longer book. Just make a book that's three thousand pages long and loads of pictures <laughs> in it. <laughs> uh, yes, um, I, I must admit. I mean, that book that I just mentioned a minute ago, the the um, <clears throat> uh, history of the World Cup. Uh, that what was good about that was that somebody had clearly got to, gone to a lot of trouble to research and provide a lot of detail about specific games and specific players and so on. And and I, yeah, I'm sure probably speaking the same for yourself and and all our listeners that. You, you tend to kind of warm to that because you can see if somebody's made the effort, it's worth paying the money for it and you'll enjoy reading it. And that's that's the key, really, for me. Yeah, same here. I mean, like I say, the, the, the thing I was getting is it feels like it's just been almost cut and pasted from, from like, mm. you know, reviews of other things like that. Um, so, so what... I mean, we both sort of discussed before this, Chris, that neither of us really have sort of got any soccer autobiographies or kind of, we I don't know, we tend to have, like I say, we've not got any that anyone else seems to have got. So what, is there a theme to the sort of books you've got? Because there certainly is a definite few themes with mine. Um, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it depends. Um, I mean, I suppose we're sort of talking about this in the sense of me at my current age, in my early 40s, as a sort of um, football nostalgia um, fanatic <clears throat> And that I've got a few books from my childhood, but then there's lots and lots of books and things that I've bought since then to try and uh, build up a collection, um, some of which are books that I would have owned when I was younger and, and so on. But funnily enough, I mean, if if there's a particular type of book that is more prevalent in my collection than any, any other, it's football annuals. <laughs> now, I'm probably like showing myself to be completely immature by saying that, but um, I think when I was a kid, I had a couple of football annuals and there would probably been um, shoot annuals, um, obviously end of year book uh, made by the people that uh, made the weekly magazine of the same name. And um, I would have had one or two of those, maybe even one or two match annuals, possibly. Um, but um, I wouldn't have had many of them. But of course, if you go on to eBay, we keep mentioning eBay, and we're going to demand a royalty for all the plugs that we've been giving them. Um, you you find loads of football annuals on the sale there, and I am a bit of a sucker for those because um, they're great, and I've got loads of them now as a collector. Uh, and the reason I buy them is because um, if you think about it, if like the the peak period for football annuals really was like the nineteen seventies, I would have said. Um, if you think about it, the people that made those annuals, a bit like the people that made Shoot Magazine, are writing about football for a juvenile audience for a for a young audience and they're therefore they've got to um make it kind of come to life they've got to portray football as being vibrant and dynamic and exciting so that obviously kids will want to buy the annual want to buy the 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 magazine every week um and when you read these old annuals that's what kind of comes across they the the interviews are almost always about people like kevin keegan (laughs) who are like you know the number one star in british football back then um, and all, a lot of the articles are about teams like Liverpool or you know England and uh, you know all the big teams at the time. And as an adult, as a, as a forty-one-year-old as I am, um, what, I just find that they're a really great, innocent um, sort of snapshot of what football was like back then. I mean, I, I think you can't do better than to buy football annuals like that because they just give you a real sense of um, what was going on in football then, but written in a way that was perhaps slightly not deluded in its way it's sort of portraying the positivity of the thing but um but just in a in a 
great light and then making it feel like yeah I'd, you know I'd, I'd want to watch football if I was reading this book you know I want to be into football and supporting my team and, and whatever so um I've got loads of football annuals and and I even now I treat myself to the occasional one or two uh from time to time on eBay um and uh I'm just trying to think what other books I've got just sort of um encyclopedias um reference books I used to love reference books when I was a kid uh, again that thirst for knowledge and I mean, I went through a phase when I was probably about 12 when if you'd have said to me, you know, when was the last time Sheffield Wednesday were in Division 3, I could have probably told you like that because it was just, it would have been in my head, you know, because um, I used to love looking at league tables and things like that. Um, I know the inner nerd has probably not really, you know, withered and died really completely. Um, but um, so I used to have lots of reference books and uh, still have a fair few of them now. Um, so what would be the kind of type of book that prevails mostly in your collection? Um, in terms of quantity, I would say probably football grounds, because <laughs> I've got, no, um, apart from um, <clears throat> a couple of like really good books, like the, the football grounds of Europe, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and the football grounds of Britain, and the football grounds of Great Britain, and the football <laughs> grounds of England and Wales, as it was originally, all by Simon Ingalls. Um, mm-hmm. I've also got quite a few, but the one, I say quantity-wise, <laughs> because I've also got about... 10 issues of the kind of uh, football grounds from the air book which I used to oh, buy yeah. religiously every year when they'd come out I kind of stopped buying them when you know kind of things stopped being stopped changing from season to season it's like you'd buy the book and it was like uh, most of these are the same photo as last year then you know <laughs> yes. um, but I've recently started buying a, a couple of the missing copies that I've got off eBay for a couple of quid here and there uh, mainly because Obviously, a lot of football grounds are changing an awful lot in the last few years. So, but it—I tell you—it really—it's it, quite interesting to go from. And I—I I think I came into that series at the second um, incarnation of the book, and the fir- I did manage to pick up the first one from eBay um, a while back. And looking yeah. at that, and because I think that that one would have been published in about 1993. So looking at that book compared with now, and it, it is just amazing to look at the changes in what is mm. 20 years. You know, I mean, in, I think at the time, the the one that, at the time the first one was published, Blackburn hadn't quite built Ewood Park. I think they were in the process <laughs> of rebuilding it. So that kind yeah. of gives you a nice reference point because that really, Blackburn's was one of the first kind of post-Taylor reports, um, kind of, you know, almost like, rebuilding nearly the whole ground and kind of the first yeah. sort of modern stadium even though it's obviously you know it wasn't a new one and they just rebuilt over the top of the existing one but it was the kind of first of its time mm. um so it's quite it's quite fascinating going back i think the problem with that series is like i said it came out every year and often there wasn't really much to do between years so it kind mm. of got a bit you know i went off the series but you know if you look at compare the first one with the last one or even take snapshots throughout it's it's really fascinating but mm. really at the end of the day it's just a book of pictures of football grounds from from a plane so <laughs> it's, it's, it's not always that fascinating what always annoyed me actually is in the last few years of highfield road the picture they'd used was a reversed picture you know it, it kind of <laughs> And it used flipped. to annoy me because I just well, it's like why? Why have you flipped Highfield Road? You know, <laughs> Someone, it's like they were it's like they were flipping off Highfield Road. That's what I say. You know, <laughs> but let's let's not go into Highfield Road and Coventry's grounds and everything like that because it's not a great subject oh, at the moment. No, I know, I know. Um, so yeah, so football grounds is one of the themes. Um, I would say football kits is another one, but there aren't actually that many books about football kits. There's obviously our good friend John Devlin's True Colours one and two, the absolute bible of football kits mm-hmm. but actually there isn't really many other books at all there's a, a couple of books like 
you can get like the worst football kits of time, which is like you know one of these kind of list show type books, you know, where it goes through and yeah, you know, the old country brown kit and, and all that. But there, there isn't actually that many, which is, I suppose is quite surprising. I, I suppose if you look at it from the point of view of getting copyrights these days and you know labels and things like that and brand names, I suppose it's going to cause mm. you problems. But uh, it's surprising considering how many books there are on stadiums. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny you talk about sort of um, <clears throat> books about football kits and stuff like that. There's um, one message we had on Twitter when we put out our appeal uh, a while back was from Simon Robertson who said uh, that his favourite book would be one called Soccer Club Colours by Martin Tyler. I think that's the one that has got a load of kids on the front, isn't it? With all the Admiral kits and things. I'm sure that um, our friends at Got Not Got um, referenced that now they come to think of it. So I think that's what that one is. But I've got one as well um, uh, and I think it's called um, it's not True Colours I can't remember what it's called now. Um, basically, it's a book I found um, on eBay probably about a year or two ago. And it might be called something like just Club Colours or something like that. And it's um, it it's, takes a similar kind of concept, obviously. It's, it shows you um, the colours for, for any number of different teams. But it, all the illustrations are done in this kind of cross-hatch style, as if it's been done with like a set of coloured pencils, which is quite distinctive. Not necessarily the best way to depict football kits, actually, but it's very kind of delicately coloured and quite skillfully done. And what, what typically you do, the, the author, and forgive me for not having the exact details, I'll have to put it on a blog post or something, or Facebook, um, he, what he does is he takes a team like, say, Arsenal, and then he has, he, for, for Arsenal we will have a, like a double-page spread, and on the right-hand side, the right-hand page, he'll illustrate about six, seven, eight different kits from their history. So you can sort of see that, you know, maybe years ago they might have, when they first started, they might have had a, I don't know, an, an all-navy blue kit, and then and one, you know, with long sort of pantaloons, and then like um, a few years later, then something else, and it goes, and, and, and he basically hand-picks various kits leading up to the present day. So it's, for that, it's brilliant, actually. And it's really nicely illustrated and put together, but I'm just sorry that I can't give the... Um, the, the details of the author and the exact title of the book but I'll put it on maybe Facebook or on our website or something like that so I think there have been a few of those books but not many and you've got to really look hard and be lucky to find them on places like eBay That's just reminded me actually because I do have a, a further two um, kit books which are specifically for clubs, one which was um, uh, Spurs, I think it's called Lily White and Blue um, oh. and that is literally just um, it's photographs of pretty much all their kits through history and their actual, you know, people's collections. Um, and they're, it, it's a very nice book. It's, I mean, it's basically ideal, really. It's got a nice picture of the kit on one side and then a description of it and, you know, kind of anything interesting about it, you know, little facts and you know, mm. difference between players and replicas and everything. You know, and it's, and it's, um, that's quite a good book. I mean, it's a, again, it's a very slim thing, um, but it, it's club-specific. And, and I've just remembered I had another one, which I think I bought from Burnley's club shop online, uh, which was, again, the similar <laughs> thing, but for Burnley kits. Um, and that, again, it's just, but like you say, you, I mean, there's no way you'd find that in a bookshop or anything. These are kind of real mm. niche products. And it, it, I suppose it's kind of surprising, really. Like I say, considering the proliferation of football ground books, that there isn't more football kit books. It's, mm. I don't know, because it's not like, you know, it's not like there's a massive market for kits or anything. Well, no, um, as you say, I think in the, in this current era, probably a lot of people are a bit put off by the fact um, that they've probably got to pay for 
um, licenses and what have you just to reproduce badges and sponsor names and logos and all that kind of stuff um, but uh, I, I what in the literally a split second while you were talking there I've I've managed to find the book I was talking about it's, it is called Club Colors it's by a guy called Bob Bickerton um, and you can find it on uh, Amazon although it's an old although it's kind of uh, a fair few years old now it was made in 1998 um, but you can pick up new copies for just short of 50 quid or you can buy a used one for one penny apparently <laughs> according to amazon so uh, you you pays your money and you takes your choice but it's a very good book can't recommend it highly enough actually another mm. one to be reviewed on the on the website at some point indeed i'll add it to um, my list I'm actually going back to one point that you were making a while ago. It's just about annuals and stuff. Is that yeah. I? I only ever. I didn't really. I kind of came to football late um, for the annual boom. So I only ever had two shoot annuals. I think I've got 87 and 88. And the one thing that I always remember about annuals is that I was always, always disappointed with them. Because <laughs> I, I just. I think I probably them, was. Yeah. I just found them to be mostly crap. Um, <laughs> it was like kind of obviously they'd cobbled together a lot of the old. Um, Articles um, from the from the year, but then who who would do that? Eh, create an annual at the <laughs> oh, end yeah. of the year with nothing but old <coughs> articles in it. <laughs> Swines. I I was of course referencing the football attic annual, which is also one of my favourite books that I have on my shelf. Me too. Uh, yeah, and if you want to buy one, you can't because they <laughs> sold out of them. Um, ha <laughs> ha. But yes, the the two shoot annuals. I just thought they were rubbish. They just seem to be literally sort of thrown together, and you know. It's, but then, in all honesty, if you look back at most kids' annuals when when we were kids, they were crap. You know, they were literally yeah. a bunch of rehashed stuff, and then just a load of crap things thrown in. And I suppose the, yeah. the the one thing they didn't have mercifully was a ton of adverts in, which like you know, like the magazines did. But then, yeah. I mean, can, I don't even know if you can get like you know match annuals anymore because I think you can still buy match magazines. I don't think shoot disappeared a long time ago. Yeah, but I, th- I think they I do mean, still make annuals. Yeah, you get match of the day annuals still. Oh well, we won't talk about that though. You know, <laughs> match of the day, you know, who cares? You know, it's just going to be like, oh, what does Shearer like for tea? We don't care because he's just bitter <laughs> and he looks like Blofeld. So. <laughs> In fact, every time I see him on Match of the Day, I expect it to be stroking a little white cat and moaning <laughs> about it and just dribbling on and not knowing what he's talking about. <laughs> Look, love just you really, Alan. <laughs> uh, I mean, actually, going back to the shoot annuals thing, I think even I at the time probably thought they weren't much good. I think when I used to get shoot annuals as a kid, I used to hope that there was a lot more in the way of pictures in them. <laughs> but And there were pictures, there were a fair few pictures in but a lot of them black and white because, of course, back then budgets weren't quite so high, production values and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of the content was in like monotone kind of print, um, a very basic printing techniques used. Um, certainly not glossy paper either or anything like that. So, um, yeah, they, I, I think I found a lot of the more wordier articles went just a bit over my head and I wasn't overly interested. But now, <laughs> now that I'm old enough to appreciate it, I can kind of look back and I can see all the all the black and white print and stuff as, as being acceptable because, you know, you see that you get the perspective from how things were 30-odd years ago. Um, and the articles I find a lot more interesting because I just want to find out about what football was like. So, yeah, as a kid... Not so impressed, but now certainly I am. Sorry, I didn't know you. <laughs> I didn't realise you were finishing the sentence then. Oh, right, no, sorry, just nod off. Don't worry about me. <laughs> um, 
I was going to say, um, if we look actually through some of the lists that, that we did get, and you really, well, here's a massive list. I think it's about four pages long. Um, <laughs> one of the books that I did start to read recently, because I think I put, uh, when I got a Kindle recently, I put um, an, an appeal, if you like, out on Twitter to say, you know, kind of what can anyone, now I've got a, a nice reading machine, so to speak, you know, what books can people recommend? And uh, an awful lot came back. And, and I think we mentioned earlier that <clears throat> we don't really have many autobiographies in our collection, if any. Um, but there was, a, the, I think, the most interesting ones from and we were talking before this um, about the, the, the. We said there are two different types of autobiography. You get the uh, the kind of ones that are current players, um, mm-hmm. which are generally sort of PR puff pieces, um, <laughs> and which are literally nothing but "I love everything about Liverpool. It's all great. I still want to play here forever." You know, the sort of mm-hmm. Stephen Gerrard type one. I've not read it. I'm assuming that's what it's like because <laughs> he's a current player. You know. Or you get the ones, or you get the ones you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's it as well. It's literally that. There's only it's only three pages. One plate. Yeah. It's all written. It's all written in large comic sans as well. Um, <laughs> and then you get the other type, which is the ex-player, um, usually who's fallen on hard times or something. Um, yeah. And they're obviously the more interesting ones. Um, and I think you gave a nice breakdown of the, the chapter structure. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think you can. Yeah, I was going to do this as an article. I think you could. It's basically there is a set template if you are a, um, a, a former professional who's kind of long since seen his star fall. Uh, so basically, you know, chapter one is you know the early days, how I got into football. Chapter two, my first contract, my first club that I played for. Chapter three, hitting the big time, playing for England. Chapter four, everything starts to go wrong, falling in, in into bad ways with you know narcotics and alcoholism and prostitutes um chapter six um you know the the quiet years out of the spotlight chapter seven uh the return to the media spotlight um acting as a pundit for sky sports and that's kind of the template that's loosely kind of how those books tend to go these days it's true it's the kind of it's they they are the usual sort of um you know uh sort of high points of the career falling into bad times and the redemption um, but I mean one of the ones that I did start reading I think I got the, the sample from the uh, uh, Amazon Kindle. yes um, was the Robert Enker one uh, the the German goalie who sadly committed suicide mm-hmm. um, and it was actually I, I, again it's one of these things I keep meaning to get around to doing but I've actually got a huge pile of books that I haven't got around to reading Um and it's one of the ones that, one of the sort of football autobiographies that actually does look interesting from a point of view that's outside of football, because obviously mm. it's, it's more of, you know, it's, it's a guy's life story. Um, and it's not just football centric. The, the guy wasn't, you know, just all about football. It wasn't all about, you mm. know, going down the pub, drinking with his mates. And it's actually a, a, a sort of, I mean, to be honest, most of the ex-pros books are exactly like that because we're of that we're of that generation where yeah. most players were going down the pub and drinking a lot. You know, Tony Adams, Paul McGrath, things like that. And it's just that's the sort of level that you're at. But the Robert Enke one, obviously, it's it's moved on in time a bit, but it's it's mm. not like that at all. It's very different, and it's um, I think I've only read the first chapter or something, but it, it it's definitely one I do want to carry on with, which is not something that I usually get with um, football autobiographies because, like I say, mm. most of them follow the same sort of thing. Although I did the same thing with the Paul McGraw one I don't know it's Tony Cascarino I think it was um, yeah. and that actually does appear quite interesting as well but again I have such a pile of books that I haven't read yet um, so they're going to just have to sit there and read for the time being um, yeah, I yeah. mean is, is there any actual autobiographies at all that you've read Chris? <laughs> well yeah there's been a few I've read a few um, I mean <laughs> as, as I was saying before um, the 
couple of autobiographies that I've read, football-related ones, have been to do with um, commentators, actually. Um, about Probably about 10 years ago, I read uh, The Final Whistle, which was by Brian Moore, um, which would have probably come out, I say 10 years ago, it might have been even probably about 20, actually, uh, would have come out not long before he died, actually, when he was sort of approaching retirement. Um, and it, that was an interesting sort of insight into his life as a commentator and, and so on. Um, and then a book that I read last year, which was called Interesting, Very Interesting. Uh, I'm sure you can probably work out uh, from that, if you know your British football, that it's uh, that's the, the, the book by Barry Davis, Life Story of Barry Davis, which is quite long and thorough because he's had a long, thorough career. Um, a thorough career? Uh, a long um, uh, career, not just sort of commentating in football, but in lots of other sports as well. He's gone to Olympics and he's, you know, he does Wimbledon and stuff like that these days. Um, so he had a lot to um, sort of look back on and it's very interesting. What I like about it, actually, I mean, some people, if you look on the sort of Amazon review of that book, a lot of people sort of saying, oh, he's very bitter and twisted and he hasn't got a good word to say about this and a good word to say about that. Um, I prefer to put a different perspective on it, which, which is that, even his commentating style, he would occasionally allow himself the indulgence of saying something that was a bit kind of edgy and a bit um, frank, to be frank. Um, you know, like um, like the classic hockey kind of line where he sort of said, you know, um, fr- uh, frankly, where were the Germans, wasn't it? Or something that he sort of said, like, yeah, and, uh, second were the Germans, but frankly, who cares? Or whatever, it, whatever the line was, he said, oh, it eludes me at the moment. Um, but he, you know, in, in his commentary, would occasionally say something that's not. He wasn't just sort of on autopilot, spouting out kind of you know rubbish that commentators sometimes are guilty of. But he'd actually say, I mean, like with the the classic one for me is when England first wore their classic 1982 kit in a friendly against Argentina in 1980, and as the teams are walking out onto the pitch, he says something like, "For the life of me, I don't know why England's football kit has to have the colours of the rest of the United Kingdom." Now. Whether you agree with him or not, I just think it's really refreshing that a, a, a commentator allows him to say, allows himself to say something like that, just to basically say, "This is actually my opinion. I'm not being kind of censored by the BBC. I want to say this because it's what I feel." And, he's, and a lot of his book was like that, so that was pretty good. Um, and at the moment, I'm reading the autobiography of one Trevor Brooking. Uh, Trevor Brooking, who was my um, childhood hero. Um, and the book that I've got, I've just recently found um, online, um, it was made, uh, it was written in 1980 with the help of a ghostwriter, but then probably, you know, which ones aren't. Um, but it, it would have been written just after his success in the 1980 FA Cup final, in which he scored the winning goal, West Ham beating Arsenal 1-0 and all that. And um, I was saying to you earlier, Rich, I mean, it's it's odd because when he became a pundit on the BBC... He was renowned as being sort of sitting on the fence all the time and not having a clear opinion one way or the other on anything. And yet in the book, um, he's very frank about you know, people that, you know, he would say someone like, oh, you know, Ted McDougall, who was a, a, a big goal scorer earlier in his career for various different clubs, and he got signed by West Ham. And he was a disappointment because, you know, clearly he didn't put any effort on the training field. And I'm sort of thinking, is this Trevor Brooking? Is this Trevor Brooking actually saying something dare I say, negative about his fellow professionals. Um, and he, you know, he is, and he, would, he said a lot of very honest things about a lot of players. And it was, it's, it's quite interesting reading from that point of view and all the various anecdotes he's got about sort of working under managers like Ron Greenwood and Don Revy and people like that. And um, so it's, it's actually quite a good book. So, but 
yeah, you're right. I've not read that many sort of autobiographies, really, probably for the very reason that you said, that they tend to be quite kind of cliched in their structure and their approach, really. Yeah, I mean, I was just actually, while you were saying all that, I was just going through the list and I'm thinking there's an awful lot of, of um, what I suppose would be regarded as classic football books here. And I'm thinking I haven't read any of them. I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll throw some names at you and see if you've actually read them. Um, football Against Enemy by Simon Cooper. No, no of it, but not read it. Yeah, same here. I think I started reading and got bored, <laughs> which is probably sacrilege to say, but I don't care. I think I got it out of the library once years ago and, and did start reading it and just thought it was too heavy. Um, yeah. Fever Pitch, have you read that? No, I've not even seen the film of that. I know that's probably sacrilege, but um, don't given think that I have so. Either. No, um, um, no is the short answer, but I, it's probably one of those books to read before you die, just so you're not sort of ostracised in the cemetery. Nah, it's all about Arsenal, though. Who cares? <laughs> um, oh, actually, here's another one as well, which I don't think I've... I don't I don't even know if I've got this. Um, all Played Out, which is the full story of Italian 90. That, I know, is quite a well-known and well-regarded book, but I'm absolutely sure I, I don't have that and have never read it. Mm, I'm sure you'd probably like that. I mean, I've not I've not read it myself. That's that's a recommendation from our, our mutual friend, Terry DeFellin. Um Yeah, full story of Italian 90... Um, to, to quote Terry, he says, um, this book probably had the biggest effect on me. I really enjoy the frankness of some of the interviews and uh, Davis's, Pete Davis's account of the Italian 90 semi-final uh, defeat has struck, uh, has stuck with me forever, I beg your pardon. So um, it sounds like a good one, actually. Yeah, sort of thing I think I'd like to get my teeth into it. And actually, going, going through this list, there are a lot of books which actually sort of do whet the appetite. But again, I just, it's just time, isn't it? Because I mean, it's like hmm. there's uh, um, Inverting the Pyramid, The History of Football Tactics, which I have to say, I probably wouldn't read because I'm not massively into football hmm. tactics. I mean, I, I just I think we were talking about this before we, we came on air, so to speak. Um, and I, I had a conversation, I think, with William Abs and a couple of other people the other day. Um, we were saying about stats and things like that, which we're just not really bothered about. I mean, it's like, you know, <laughs> kind of, I watch football, but I really don't. I mean, I will have conversations at work with people and, and it will go along the lines of, oh, yeah, you know, sort of so-and-so should play at left back and right back. And I think, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. You know, kind of, you know, this should be, a, we should use a 4-4-2 or, or like 3-5-2. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that Armando Inucci sketch that I referenced on Twitter the other day, um, <laughs> where he's saying that he has no idea about football, but he's learned enough phrases to converse in it. Um, yeah. Which, for anyone wondering, that was where that Derby County phrase came from. It was from an, an, an Armando Inucci sketch on one of his shows from about 13 years ago. So they, I'm, I'm nothing if not obscure in references. But it's just like it's the same thing. And one of the great phrases that he came out with was um, was uh, "Come on, Bergkamp, you've got 22 legs, use them." <laughs> and also keep it there keep it there <laughs> and it's, it's, it's these sort of generic phrases but I mean I don't know anything about football tactics really I, I, and I don't have any interest in it I, I like football and, and it, it was quite it was a weird thing because it was kind of liberating to say because it's almost sacrilege to say that that I don't care if we play 4-4-2 or 3-5-2 or whatever but I honestly don't I really don't mm. care <laughs> just, no, no, no. I just want to watch the game and if it's interesting and if there's pretty colours flashing by my eye then it's fine, you know. As long as some goals go in, or there's a bit of tack, you know, there's a there's a bit of tackling and and you, you know, nearly said tactics then, didn't you? I, I nearly did, yeah. <laughs> I it would ruin Close. my points, but I, I I changed it to tackles, and no one noticed until well done. you pointed it out. Thanks for that, Chris. What a professional. Um, yeah. um, but no, I'm, um, I'm, the, I'm the same. I, I, the whole thing of 
tactics. Uh, the notion of tactics was probably lost on me until I was about 20. Because I used to, I, and then like now, I, I just kind of like to sit in front of a TV, if I'm watching it on TV, um, and let it kind of wash over me, really. I don't need to know why one man's kind of marking, you know, taking a position to sort of uh, effectively mark one man, but keep an eye on the man who's going to run past him into another position and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, no, really? I mean, I'm not playing with them. So... I just, you know, I want to know whether a team's playing well or badly, or if, if anything, maybe how well or badly the defence is doing, or the midfield, or the, the attackers. But let's not get down to kind of, you know, the academic side of football tactics. Well, that's for me anyway. But Sean Flanagan, uh, who uh, recommended inverting the pyramid. Sorry, Sean, we're not being dismissive of you, but um, it's just our own sort of personal preference. But it's a book by Jonathan Wilson, by the way, Inverting the Pyramid. And um, he of the, you know, writing for The Guardian and many other books and... Um, yeah, very good ease too. It's just not really our thing. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It, it, that was just that was despite my diatribe. I wasn't I wasn't slating the choice. I was just oh, no, no. Kind of stating that um, I personally don't. I just can't. I don't get it. I just can't. <laughs> I, I just I can't bring myself to care enough about it. But I totally accept that other people do. And and like I said, there's a kind of part of envy on, on my part because I kind of would like to know it all but then I just mm. think it sounds like too much effort trying to understand it all when I could be looking at pictures of stadiums and kits instead <laughs> yeah. I well, think it's entirely honesty. my issue yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Um, yeah. And there's actually quite a few, um, I suppose you could call them niche books, which are kind of, well, not necessarily niche, but like more obscure books. Um, hmm. I was just reading through the list here, and there's, um, I think, Stuart Howard Cofield uh, suggested, um, what's it, um, Eduardo Galliano's uh, collection of essays, Football in Sun and Shadow, an emotional history of World Cup football, which I've not heard of, which actually nope. does sound quite interesting. Hmm. Um, and The Miracle of Castel di Sangro. Uh, that was, the, that was just, he likes that for the drama. I think that was um, suggested by two people. Yes. Uh, Sean Flanagan suggested that one as well. Yeah. Um, there's a, there was a few that got referenced by different people um, on our appeal. So there's certainly you know titles that crop up um, from from several. So um, yes, and, and again, they, and and that's the beauty of getting all these recommendations for people that um, our our friends like Stuart and and Sean and whatever have kind of. Um, given us a little bit of insight into what the book's about which um which kind of helps you to sort of think well actually maybe i will try and get that book so um you know we're, we're not lost uh, to the uh, <laughs> to the recommendations by the way yeah i mean there's some absolutely cracking recommendations in there like i say there's certainly an awful lot that's actually really wet to the appetite if i if i had all the time in the world i would love to sit and and go through all these there's a mm. part of me and again this feels like sacrilege saying there's a part of me that a lot of these i would like to watch as documentaries rather than mm. having to read the book but i think <laughs> that's just because it's just easier for me to consume television than it is books man what am i saying uh. <laughs> what can I say? We're born of a modern era. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I want my I want my content served up nice and you know on a spoon fed into me, please. <laughs> I don't want to have yeah. to invest time. Actually, a few. I think a few people again have suggested a season with Verona by Tim Parks. I think Steve mm -hmm. Gab suggested that, and just referencing this. Oh, who else did that? Once someone I've already mentioned. Uh, I think it was yeah Stuart Howard Cofield again. Mm. Um, and again, I, that's another book I've not heard of. But again, I I, I think that's the sort of book like I say that I would really like to see as as a documentary like a two hour documentary film mm -hmm. rather than going through the book I'm sure I would absolutely love the book but it's just finding the time to read it yeah especially, true especially if we spend most of our time writing about this sort of stuff well you do I haven't done anything for ages <laughs> well I was I've just going to say been, 
Maybe we should just sort of vow to try and do a review of some of these books in the future. How about that? We'll try and put them on the website just to show that we are a little bit academic. <clears throat> or or we could have a series of, of a sort of articles entitled Books We Reviewed But We Didn't Actually Read Them, where we could, <laughs> we could review what we think it was about. <laughs> and then, that would... and then we'll compare it to what it actually is like. No, 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 because that would involve having to then read it. <laughs> well, we'll get we somebody could... else to compare or, it to. Or what we could do is I'll review it like I, I assumed, and you can read it. And then you can tell me if I was right. <laughs> oh, all right then, if I'm that, that way, I get to put no effort in whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> um, rather pleasingly, um, some of the suggestions we had uh, certainly um, subscribed to our remit of being nostalgia fanatics. And we had um, we had people like Andy Lee suggested "Got Not Got: The A to Z Lost Football Culture," which is a fine book indeed, um, which I can certainly recommend personally. Um, and uh, I'm just trying to find the other ones that we've. Oh, of uh, course. We had a recommendation from someone called John Devlin for a book called True Colours. Um, <laughs> whoever he is, um, never heard of him. Um, but there's, uh, I've certainly got a few of those. There was a, a spell a few years ago when um, there were lots of these kind of retro football nostalgia kind of books that came out. Uh, sometimes little pocket books, but no, none the worse for it. Um, one of which was um, there was one called Swapya which is a fine little book. It's a little pocket book by Rob Jovanovich. Um, and that's all about the, the history of collecting uh, football stickers and uh, cigarette cards and all that kind of thing, like football sticker cards and stuff, uh, which is excellent. Thoroughly recommend that. Very, You can get that very cheaply, I think, still on Amazon and what have you, eBay. Um, and then there was one called um, Flick to Kick, an Illustrated History of Subbeauty. I think you've got that one, haven't you, Rich? I have. That's a great book. That is. That's. Yeah. A, I've, I've. I think I've actually read that about four times now. It's yeah. one of those. It's one of those books that um, you can just sort of read over and over again because it, obviously you can dip in because it's a, a chronological history of Subutio. You can sort of dip in and out of the different eras and and all of that. I just find it absolutely fascinating. It's a very mm. small book. It's kind of like a. It's about half the size of a football attic annual. That's the standard measurement for books, a football attic annual. So it's half of one of those um, in, in kind of like landscape format. But it is yeah. really interesting. There's an awful lot of information on it as well. So if anyone is any interested in Sabutio whatsoever and hasn't got that, I strongly suggest that you do get that one. Yeah, must must try and get your hands on that. Um, there is uh, there was one called Studs, which was um, it's called the greatest retro football annual one the world has ever you seen. Sure, you sure that's a football book, Chris? <laughs> is that just one of your calendars? <laughs> there, there is a woman in a low cut top on the uh, on the cover, but um, it's it's basically a compilation of um, various bits and pieces culled from Shoot magazine. Oh uh, no, I do know the one you're talking about. Actually, that yes, I know that's that's a fairly recent kind of. Like uh, kind of uh, almost not like a parody, but a kind of um, a fun sort of retro book. Yeah, yeah I mean, I know it, what you mean. it is literally scanned in pages from from shoot. Um, there's no kind of pretense about it. They just, but yeah. it starts off at about 1970 or 69 or something like that, and then as you go through the book, it does become more and more recent up to like the uh, the early 80s. It's it's a it's a really good book. You can still get that quite easily, I think. Yeah, I got um, um, again from a sort of bargain book outlet a couple of years ago. I got uh, matched at a best of the eighties. Oh, okay, um, I've which got was, that. Yes, yeah, and similar it's, kind it's, of thing. It's, yeah, it's very similar. Um, it's quite good, and it's got this kind of thing about haircuts, about you know, kind of the sort of fun things. And uh, but yeah. it's also on on each season. It's got um, it's got a little bit at the bottom called like best and worst kits of the year. Oh yes, and 
generally about nine times out of ten I completely agree the opposite way around. Oh. <laughs> so like the best kit is one of my least favourites and the worst kit is almost well the, all the worst kits are one of the kind of the more wacky designs, like the kind of the Hummel half and half one. Mm-hmm. I think it was Villas that they had as the worst one and then the following year I think they had um the Russian one from Euro eighty eight, the one that's you know, the same yeah. design that Holland won in, and they put that as the worst kit, which clearly it isn't because it's a great kit. So I'm sorry yeah. Match, but you're wrong. You know. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, and of course, as we mentioned already, True Colors books, which are just um, what can I say? I mean, talk about like the the absolute gold standard in football kit books, football kit design books. I mean, brilliantly, brilliantly researched and illustrated by John Devlin. I can't recommend them highly enough. When those books came out, it was just like manna from heaven. I just I didn't think I'd ever see a book with that much interest in football kit design and uh, they are just superb and John if you're still you know thinking about doing a third volume it's not too late yeah the only, the only problem I've got with my true colors books is their pages are all stuck together <laughs> I'm not gonna ask why <laughs> I know I spilled some coffee on them or something like oh that. thank god for that right yeah no 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 I don't, they're not really I'm joking obviously I was, I was making a crude reference wasn't <laughs> I that's what I was doing there Jordan. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I, I absolutely, I, I absolutely love the True Colors. Well, I'll confess though, I didn't buy them when I first saw them because I, I didn't have a large amount of money. Uh, but I did when I, when I first saw it in Borders Bookshop. I did actually take it off the shelf because they used to have in in Borders that we used to have in Coventry. These had like little areas where you could sit down and read, and I just pretty much sat there for about half an hour reading it. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't buy them at the time. Sorry, John, but I've bought them now. <laughs> Uh, dear, it's a very, um, it's very brave of you to make this confession. I know. I don't. You might, you might be angry now. You might, uh, might throw, a, <laughs> might throw a shirt at me or something. I don't know. <laughs> I must actually say, I was just a thought of um, a book which I read. I've been actually. Here's a, here's a thing. Um, in our capacity as bloggers um, and podcasters and all that kind of stuff, anyone thinking of doing it, anyone think of starting your own blog or podcast or whatever, one happy little sort of byproduct of that is that sometimes you get to um do reviews of books and stuff um if you contact the publisher and sort of say or the author and sort of say you know i see you've got this book um i run a blog site would it be possible to review it and sometimes they actually send you a sample copy of it or it, can, it might be if not a book then it might be a i don't know cd or a dvd or something like that you can actually kind of get away with that if you're lucky um and there was one such occasion a while back oh but it's got to be about three years ago or so um Somebody approached me to, I think it was um, the the website EPL Talk, uh, which I'm sure many of you heard of, and um, somebody there said, there's this new book coming out called Manchester's Finest, it's by a guy called David Hall, and um, we were wondering if you'd like to sort of read the book and uh, interview David Hall, and I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting this is a bit different i'll have a go at that so i bought this book and it's a fantastic book it's all about the um the the, the team that was uh, sadly decimated in the 1958 munich air disaster um and all about their you know the individuals in the team and their lives and, and so on and uh, so i read the book really loved it and um had the most embarrassing thing and this kind of crosses over into a second thing where we, we we've tried once or twice to instigate the football attic confessional we may yet devote an entire podcast to this it's basically things that you want to confess which are really embarrassing um i got onto skype with this guy um who clearly found the whole thing of older years let's put it that way um 
and the whole thing about talking to somebody over the internet and all that, I think he kind of was a little bit freaked out by it. But I was trying to do this interview with him and trying to record it as we were speaking, and the line kept dropping out. So I had to keep reconnecting and dialing him up again, and he was getting more and more irate. <laughs> and he got to the end and finally got to the end of the podcast and, and sort of said, David, thank you very much. Brilliant book. Keep up the good work and nice to speak to you. And he's like, oh, thanks very much. And click, down went the phone. He just couldn't get away quick enough. I thought, that's a relief. And then got off and then realised that I'd only actually recorded about 10 minutes of this hour and a half conversation. So I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And I think in the end, I managed to sort of cobble together the bits and pieces that I had and, I don't know, contrived like a 15 or 20 minute kind of... <laughs> conversation like this interview that I did with this guy but like lost so much stuff it was so embarrassing um but the book whenever I see that book it just it, it reminds me of that terrible incident but the book I can thoroughly recommend so that is one that I can um I can sort of say to people go read it if you're interested in that whole episode of the 1958 Munich air disaster it's a great book sorry David if you're listening you you won't be listening <laughs> well, no, it's because it's on the internet and he hasn't figured it out. Yet, so. Exactly. <laughs> I like the fact you said you had to keep dialing up. Was this back in the days before broadband? Sorry, I use the term that was dialing just three loosely. Years ago, Sorry, what's it? <laughs> I mean, he thought I was dialing up. I had to use that excuse. No, um, it was it, oh, what an unmitigated disaster. I'm sure we've all had episodes <laughs> like that, haven't we, children? Uh, yeah, almost certainly. Yeah, um, I was about to say because I think we should probably start wrapping it up now. We've been yes. we've been rambling for an hour. Uh, there was mm. there was one more book that I wanted to mention. That's uh, it's a sticker book. It's uh, oh, really? it's a really who's it by? Sticker. It's it's by us. Oh, as if <laughs> there's if anyone wants a copy of the um, the League of Blogs 2013 sticker album, there are still a few copies left, and there are literally only a few left. It's not like last year we had like a, a whole car boot full of them and I had to give them away and my children didn't get to eat for a month that's not true um, yeah I've still got a few copies left so I think there's there's details on the site about how to get them I think the link's still up there um, so yeah if you want one just click on the links on the website and follow the instructions um, and uh, anything else you wanted to say Chris? Two very uh, actually, quick things. Sorry, sorry this kind of comes one thing I did want to say before <laughs> oh, I cut on. you off completely. I'll <laughs> introduce you and then cut you off. Uh, I just wanted to say very much um, thank you to everyone that did um, uh, send over your suggestions sorry we couldn't read them all out but like I say when we post the list on, on the blog you will probably understand why we couldn't uh, unless <laughs> we literally spent five minutes just reading your names out yeah that would have been a little bit boring I suspect but uh, yes I echo that completely thank you so much to to all of you who sent in so many great suggestions um, yes there was two quick things just wanted to mention first of all that one of our most recent blog posts over at thefootballattic.com was uh, a review of a book called Soccer Revolution uh, which was written by Willie Meisel and uh, was reviewed for us by our guest uh, a reviewer was Dominic Bliss and did a tremendous job of that. So go and find that because that's a great about a great book from the sort of mid fifties era. Um, so that's a great one. Um, and just wanted to say, there's every chance you could be listening to this over at Square One Football Radio. And if you are, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board. And um, and if you don't know what Square One Football Radio is, go and find out because um, it's basically uh, just about the best. Uh, football radio online internet radio station you can find and uh, we're very proud to be a part of it all courtesy of the aforementioned steve gab who's uh who's done a, a tremendous job getting that all off, off and up and running so um check it out everyone please do yeah and, and again massive thanks to steve for setting that up and we are yes. very much honored to be a part of it indeed that's all i've got to say thank you very much that's all right. Back to you. Uh, <laughs> okay. you back. Back for the back for the formalities. <laughs> um, you, d you didn't say over, so I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, 
yeah, uh, well, like I say, I think that's about it. And, uh, well, we're about to go off and record... Uh, record? Report? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, a podcast. This is, like, this is like the best podcast in the world, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we're about to go and record uh, podcast number 11, so we'll just shut up talking now. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers, bye. Cheerio. Thank you.